have your Bibles, would you please turn to 1 Kings chapter 18. 1 Kings chapter 18. If you by any chance forgot your Bible, no worries. Most of the verses will be on the screen. Um, but I do want to encourage you to, um, to either buy a Bible or if you need one, we have plenty of them. We can, we can get you one. Uh, or download the, the Bible app, the YouVersion app. It's a great app. And one of the things that I always say is nothing will get you further, faster, spiritually speaking, than God's Word. And so I can't do it for you. Uh, none of us, life one can't do it for you. If you want to grow, spiritually speaking, um, it, it, you're going to have to do it on your own, and the Bible is the way to do it. And uh, so 1 Kings chapter 18, and as we begin today, I, I want to use... Uh, I want to talk to you a little bit about boxing. Anybody gets into boxing, the sport? All right, we got like one person. All right, <laughs> it's all good. Um, I, I want to borrow an illustration from the boxing world to inter- introduce our subject today. Is that okay? Can I just, can I just, is that all right? Give me a thumbs up so I feel like, okay, good. I mean, I was going to do it anyway, but you know, it's good when I have the thumbs up. Um, and uh, by the way, if this is your first time with us, welcome. We're thrilled that you, that you chose to worship with us today. We know that you could have been doing uh, a million other things. And so we hope that we can add a little bit of value to you and to your life. Um, in our world today, profes- in, the, in the professional boxing world, a match is usually anywhere between 4 to 12 rounds. You know that? Each round is about three minutes. Uh, in between rounds, you have about a minute for the boxers just to take a little bit of a break, okay? So usually you have, and, and they come in multiples of two, so you can have four, six, eight, ten, or twelve rounds. And it usually lasts, in, in a, uh, today, a professional boxing match will, for the most part, will last about an hour, okay? So just, that's kind of the standard. Before 1983, like from the 1920s till 1983, uh, each, like a, a boxing match would last about 15 rounds, so it was a little bit more, okay? Like today, the max is 12. Before then, like before the 1920s, you did not have any limits. You would go until somebody was knocked out, okay? However long it went, okay? Imagine that, okay? The longest boxing match ever recorded in history was between this guy named Jack Burke and Andy Brown. I think I have a picture of um, Jack Burke. Look at what, that's what they looked like back then, okay? So this one, this was the longest match ever recorded in history in New Orleans. It was actually April 6, 1893, so it was way before the 1920s, uh, no limits. The, the match started at 9.15. Do you want to know how long it went? Remember, they would go until somebody was knocked out. You, know, you want to know how long they went? Any wild guesses? 12 hours. 12 hours. Anyone else? Seven hours. Seven hours 20, a whole week. No, I'm just joking. <laughs> um, they went until the next morning at 4.34 in the morning. 110 rounds. 110 rounds. Seven hours fighting. Seven hours and 19 minutes. And here's the crazy thing. This, when I read, when I found this out, I was like, man, I'm glad I was not a part of that. Nobody won. They just gave up. It was a draw. It was like a tide because they, nobody could knock the other out. And so they're going 110 rounds fighting 
for what, it, what was it, seven hours, 19 minutes, and nobody, it was a tide. And um, the reason why I begin with this is because of our, our scripture today, what we're going to be looking at is um, essentially a match, okay? Essentially a battle or call it a challenge between the God of Baal and the one and only true God. This was, and it lasted actually a pretty, pretty long time. So if you're kind of new or if you're just stepping in or if you've missed the last couple of weeks, we've been doing, we're in this series called Determined. Everybody say Determined. Determined. And so we've, we've been studying this Old Testament prophet. His name is Elijah. And we've been learning a lot about him. Elijah went through a, a ton of stuff. I mean, this guy, he was so determined. He was like, he never gave up. And when you, when you look at his story, he faced an angry king, a wicked, morally depraved king who wanted to, I mean, he wanted to kill him. He wanted to, his head on a platter. He faced devastating, a devastating drought with huge economic um, ramifications, epic opposition. And through it all, when, when you look at his life and you go from, you know, one chapter to the next, the guy, Elijah, never, gave, never gives up. And so we're asking the question, when our world is just spinning out of control, where do you turn to? What do you do? Like when, when, when life is, you know, just, it's just one chaos after the next. When, when it's like what, what Shelly was saying, when you're just going from one thing to the next, when the texts keep coming up, when the emails, like you put your phone down and it's like 20 minutes later, you have 60 texts. When life is crazy, what do you do? You know, how, how, do, you, how could, do you continue to have the determination that this guy had? Because against all odds, he was able to overcome one challenge after the next. And so today, we're going to look in 1 Kings chapter 18. We're going to look at this match, this battle between the gods of Baal and the one and only true God. Now, if I had to summarize... Chapter 17 and chapter 18, which is what we've looked at, here's what I would say. Chapter 18, I mean, uh, chapter 17, by the way, both, in both chapters, Elijah has been totally committed to the Lord. He's been total, he had, he's had total obedience, okay? 17, chapter 17, if I had to just say it in just a few words, I would say, God tells Elijah, go hide yourself. He says, I'm going to use you, but I'm going to... I'm going, to, I'm going to put you through a time, through a season of training. And so I'm not going to, I'm going to humble you. And you'll, you'll have to listen to the message to get the whole thing. But I'm going to humble you privately so that I can use you publicly. So that was chapter 17. Chapter 18, we looked at a little bit last week. We're looking at kind of the second half today. The, the theme is God says, okay, you're ready. Go show yourself. So chapter 17, go hide yourself. There are seasons... Of our lives where God says, you know what, I'm going to go, you're going to go through some things. It's not, I'm not punishing you, I'm just training you, okay? So today he's saying, okay, you're ready, go show yourself. Um, okay, so verse 21. By the way, the title of our message is Undisputed. You're going to see the undisputed power of, of an incredible almighty God. He's going to show up, he's going to show off. And, and we're going to see his power displayed like never before. Verse 21, this is what it says. Here's where we left off last week. Elijah went to the people. By the way, the, the wicked king that I just mentioned a second ago, he was there. Uh, there were about 450 
prophets of Baal. They're like the bad people. They were there. They're all watching. Okay, so it wasn't just like just a few people. Like there's a ton of people. So Elijah goes before the people and he says, how long will you waver between two opinions? We saw this last week. He says, if, if the Lord is God, follow him. But if Baal is God, then follow him. And the people said, said nothing. And what I think is interesting is that God will never make you do anything. Do you know that? Like, I want, I want to be very clear with this point. God will never, he's the, he's the creator of the universe, but he will never make you do anything. That's a pretty incredible, he, he leaves it up to you. He leaves it up to me. He says, it's, it's your choice. You can, I mean, all throughout the Bible, like you, you look in uh, the book of Proverbs, you read the whole book of Proverbs, and it's basically, time and time again, God's saying, there's two paths in life. There, there's two roads, okay? There's one that leads to life. There's one that leads to life. There's one that leads to, to death. There's one that leads to good things. There's one that leads to destruction. And that's, that's all, the whole Testament. It's like that. You fast forward to the New Testament, Jesus you know, he kind of used a, it's a little bit of a different analogy, but it's, it's the same idea. He says there are two gates. You can go through each, with whichever gate you want. It's up to you. I'm not going to make you pick. It's your, it's your call. It's your, you know, you decide. But there's a narrow gate. There's a wide gate. They lead to different directions. And so Elijah, as a man of God, is the same message. Which God are you going to worship? It's your call. You want to worship the God of Baal? Go for it. You want to worship the God, the one, the one true God, Jehovah God? Then do that. So he gives it, he gives us the choice. He gives them the choice. It's the same way that God gives us the choice. But he says this. You're gonna have, you're gonna have to make a choice, but because I love you, because I care about you, I'm going to do something to show you the power of our God. And I love that that God in our humanity. He leaves it up to us, but he, all along the way, he'll nudge us a little bit. He'll be like, okay, I'm going to put this person in your way to help you, okay? It's not like you're on your own. You do whatever you want. No, no, no. Like God cares so much about us, and you can see this as far as the, the prophet. He says, I, I love you. It's your choice. You pick, but I want to make it a little bit easier for you. And so Elijah is going to set up this challenge. Okay, it's a match that he's going to, to put in, in display. And so what he says to them, he says, what I want you to do is I want you to grab two bulls, okay? And I want you, you pick whichever one you want. doesn't matter. You pick whichever bull you want. I want you to take it. I want you to cut it up, and I want you to put it on the altar, okay? This was a way, in the Old Testament, this is how they would do sacrifices, and he says, I want you to grab all this stuff, put it on the altar, get the wood ready, but do not light it on fire. Okay? So you're going to have the sacrifice, just like any, this is something that they were used to. Okay? And you're going to get it ready, but do not light the, the wood on fire. And then he gives them the challenge. And here's the challenge. Verse 24. Elijah says this. Then you are going to call on the name of your What? God, little g, right? And I'm going to call on the name of the Lord. This, you call on your God, I call on my Lord, Jehovah God, the one and only true God. The God who answers by what? By fire, he's God. 
Then all the people said, what you say is good. All right, so in our world today, it would be like this. Sometimes in the past, I've taken teams, groups of people that I'm leading, and I make them do a little bit of a competition. I buy some ingredients, uh, like buns and you know, hamburger meat and a bunch of different um, just toppings and seasonings, and I'll, I'll take a group of people just like you, you know, probably less, you know, and I say, okay, we're going to have two, three teams, and you guys are going to make... You're going to compete to see who can grill the best burger. And it's just a fun challenge that I do from time to time just to, to break the ice if I'm, if I'm doing a retreat with, with my staff or my leaders. Now, what Elijah is saying, it would be like me saying this. You ready? I want you to grill the best burgers you've ever grilled before. I have all the ingredients, okay? Any of you guys like to grill? Raise your hand. Okay, we, got, we have a few of you guys. I say, you're, you're going to grill the best burger. And at the end, like after, you know, we're going to have a judge and we're going to give you a gift card and you're going to have bragging rights. You know, whoever is able to grill the best burger is going is to have, like, it's going to be a big deal. But you cannot start your grill. How would you, what would you react if I said, okay, you can do, you can, you're going to grill the best burger. You, you cannot turn your grill on. You're going to have to pray that God sends the fire or that God strikes lightning just of the, I mean, you're doing charcoal or whatever, that it's just at the perfect moment and that, that God somehow miraculously lights your grill on fire and that's, that's the rules of the game. What would you think? You look at me the way you're looking at me right now. That is weird. We wouldn't do that, right? That would be like, that's what Elijah is doing, okay? But here's, here's what I find very strange. The reaction of the people. Did you pick up on that? Okay, what Elijah is saying is a little crazy. True? Okay, we're going to set up the altar. We're going to have the wood. We're going to have the, the meat on top of it. It's ready to go, but you can't light the wood, it's like, me, you, like saying, you can't light the grill. And you coming back and saying, that is awesome. Let's do it. I, we cannot wait. This is fantastic. You see, like what Elijah was doing is a little crazy, but the reaction of the people is even actually more cr- strange. In my, in my, from my perspective, then all the people said, what you say is good. Why in the world would they say that? Any ideas? Because God would show up, okay? Anybody else? Why would God, why would they say, great, what a good idea? I'll tell you why. They believed, who was the God that they believed in? Baal. Remember what I said last week? Baal was the God that they thought that by his very nature was in charge of the sun. He was the fire God. This was the fertility God. This was a God that was in charge of the weather, of the fruitfulness, and the God of riches. And so they thought in their mind, our God, who's a fire God, he can send a little, light, a little fire, and you're done. And so in their minds, they're already thinking, this is a great match. We're gonna, you know, your, your God is going to be knocked out in just seconds. And then they say, what you say is good. This is a good thing. And then Elijah... Elijah does something super interesting. He says, okay, go, you go first. And he gives them a head, a head start. Verse 25. 
It says, Elijah said to the prophets of Baal, choose one of the bulls and prepare it first, since there are so many of you. Now, have you ever said that before? Like you're playing a game, maybe tennis or chess or whatever, ping pong or whatever game you play, and you know, your basketball cards, and you say, you go first. Why do you, when you say that, why do you say, like, you, you can have the ball, you can have the first serve, it's all good. You're either very, very humble, right? Or what's the other option? And I don't think humility was the thing for Elijah. And you'll see here in, in the, the, when we get a little bit further down the text, you'll, you'll see that this is not, Elijah was not like a humble guy, okay? He was the man of God, but he was not very humble. So why do you do that? Oh, and you tell somebody, you know, you can, it's your turn, you go first. Because you think you're going to win, Right? Right? Like, I don't tell someone, you can have the ball first. If I, if I feel like I'm struggling, no. My turn, I get the ball. I'm going to do whatever it takes to win. Right? Elijah goes like, no, you can, have, you can go first. Just go ahead. You know? You go first. He has confidence. He has, he has a confidence that goes beyond what you can preach and teach. He has what I call experiential faith. He's been through some things. If you haven't been here the last few weeks, Elijah, there, you know, there was no rain in the land. And so for, for years, there was no provision. And he saw God. Literally, the Bible says, I think we looked at this like two weeks ago, like how birds were bringing raven, to be more specific. We're bringing bread and meat in the morning when, when he was all alone. We had no provision. When he was at the end of his rope, he saw God provide in a, in a, in a crazy way. And he, like, how do you, like, how do you explain that? Like, you can't explain that. Later on, when, when he, God told him to go somewhere else, he goes to this widow. And the widow's like on her last meal. And God speaks through Elijah and says, it's okay. I'm going to provide. I'm going to multiply it. Your, what you have right now, just surrender it to me. And he sees that for months, his meals are multiplied. Then the lady had a son who dies. And then Elijah takes him to the upper room and gets on him and he prays. And he sees how God takes a dead boy and brings him back to life. Something that had never happened before. And so this is not something that he just preached. This is something that he lived. This is this is something that only when you go through difficult circumstances in your life, you can say, you know what? You can, you can have whatever belief you have, but my story, the story that I have of redemption and hope and forgiveness and grace, it's my story. You can't take that from me. And so Elijah has this confidence that I want us to have because undoubtedly some of you, you're going through some things and you don't understand, you know, it could be relationally, it could be financially, it could be a child, it could be a mom, a dad, and you don't quite get it. And I want you, my intent today is to leave today with you saying, I'm going to have a little bit more faith in my creator. I'm going to have a little bit more confidence. I'm going to be a little bit more like Elijah. And so he says, you go first, because I know my God. I know my God can handle this. Verse 26, look at it with me. So they took the bull, given them, and prepared it. Then they call on the name of Baal from morning till noon. Oh, Baal, answer us, they shouted. But there was no response. No one answered. 
And they danced around the altar that they had made. I mean, these people are going crazy. They're shouting. They're raising their hands. They're waving. They're praying. They're doing everything they can. And I want you to notice the time frame. It says from morning until when? Till noon. So there's not like a couple of minutes. It's not like 10, like a, like a 15-minute worship, right? Like, no, no. These people are going like all morning long. And they're like, they're going out. Send us some, some light, like even a little spark. Do something, you know? And, and Elijah, Elijah's from afar. He's kind of laughing. And, and he's looking at them. And you, he's like, you idiots. You guys are praying to, to a, a made-up God. Like, you, you have no idea what you're doing. And they're going to town. And Elijah's kind of from far away, just kind of laughing a little bit. Look in verse 27. At noon, Elijah began to what? To taunt them. It began to provoke them. Have you ever done that? Like, we, we all do that, right? Like, we all provoke. Like, if you had a brother or sister growing up, you know, you know exactly what we're talking about, right? Like, okay, don't look at me like that. I know all of you guys have done that. I'm not the only one. You know? Like, have you ever had a car, like, like right behind you? And, like, they're on, like, on your tail, and you're like, I'm in the right lane, I'm going the right speed, what's going on? And if it's at night, maybe they have their brights on, and it's like, what do you, like, has that ever happened to you? Have you ever had, yeah, that's happened to me all the time, right? Like, what do you do? You hit the brakes, right? That's what you do. You know, you slow down. It's like, oh, you want that? All right, let's see how we play this game, right? No, don't do that. No, don't do that. Unless you have your car bumper sticker, you know, and then your life point, and then you're, you're good because the Holy Spirit is going to remind you, you need to be a good Christian right now. See, I became a better driver when I put that stupid sticker on my car. <laughs> now I can't do that anymore. But we all do it, right? Did you, did you see the guy on the news? He was, I think, American Airlines flight. He was just, like, the, there was a lady reclining her seat, and you guys see that? And then the guy's literally banging on the back of her seat. Okay? Like, it's like, like, what in the world? Like, why would you do that? Well, and then, you know, I don't know. I kind of, I don't like it when people recline and you feel like you can do dental work right, right there, you know? It's like not, did you guys see it? Let me, hey, can we show it real quick? Can we play that? I want to ask you guys, look at this, and I'll, just for fun, we can have fun in church, right? I want you, I'm going to ask you to raise your hand. Everybody has to vote. See who was at fault, okay? All right? I want you to tell me who was at fault. Can we play it? Okay, so just for fun, all right? No, no wrong answers, okay? You're not going to get in trouble if you, if you pick the wrong answer. All right, let's, how many of you would say that the lady, she was wrong because she reclined her seat and, you know, I don't know, maybe the guy was tall, I don't know. How many of you would say, yep, I'm not really sure that the lady was right? How many of you would raise your hand, the lady was wrong? Okay, 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 good, 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 good deal. How many of you would say that the guy was a jerk? Raise your hand. Okay. How many of you want to know what I think? I'm not telling you. Are you kidding me? <laughs> they were both wrong. See, now you're getting mad at me. <laughs> Here, here's my point, okay? Here's the point. 
Aren't you glad we can have fun in church? Here's my point. Elijah, he was a man of God, but he was taunting them. Usually when you see Elijah, it's just like you and I. In fact, the book of James in the New Testament says that. He was just as, as human as you and me. And he's just going for hours, and he's taunting them. You know, and they're thinking, you know, they're, they're um, in fact, let's, can we put the next, the next slide up? He's, look, look at what he's saying. Shout louder. Surely he's a god. <laughs> you know? And they've been going at it from morning until noon. And he's like, come on. You know, maybe he's a little bit busy. You know, and there are like 450 plus of these guys. They're dancing around. They're raising their hands. They're asking Baal, please. We know that you're the God of fire. Whatever it takes right now is when it matters. Send us a little spark. You know, and Elijah's like, Maybe he's a little bit far away. You need to be louder. And they're like, yes, 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 yes. Bill, we need you now. In fact, he says, maybe he's sleeping. Maybe, like he says, oh, yeah, hold on. Um, Perhaps he's in deep thought or busy. When you look at, there's theologians that say that the word right there is the same word for going to the bathroom. So he's like, maybe, hey, maybe he just went to the bathroom and, you know, he's just busy and they're like going like crazy. Not saying, I think it's a little bit funny, but I'm not saying that Elijah was like, you know, that godly in this case, of, you know, in this time. Verse 28, so they shouted louder and watch this, they slashed themselves with swords and spears as their custom was until their blood flowed. These people believed that fresh blood would cause their God to listen. And so they're going insane. And about 3 p.m., the Bible says that even the bystanders, there were people, aside from the 450 prophets of Baal, there were people that were watching this whole time. It says that even the bystanders, they're already giving up. You know, like this, this is a joke. And Elijah, that, right around that time, he gets all the people. This is what he does. He grabs 12 stones, huge stones, set them up because the altar had been broken down by, by the craziness that had happened earlier. And he puts the, the bull on top of it, the altar on top of it, the bull on top of the altar. And the Bible says that he's going to do something so unique. He is going to dig a trench around the altar. You could put about three gallons of water or any liquid on the, the trench, okay, that he, he's going to dig a trench around the altar. And like, look at what, what it says in verse 33, kind of the end of verse 33, it says this. Then he said to them, he said to them, fill four large jars with water and pour it on the offering and on the wood. That's strange. Why would he do that? He doesn't want them to think that this is coincidence, right? Like he's about to, he has said to them, you get to choose, but I love you and I care about you. I'm going to make it easy on you. You're, gonna, you're about to see the power of God in a way that you've never seen this before. Now, you know what it occurred to me that they had just gone through three years, I think it was three years, of no rain. And here he's pouring, he's wasting water. 
He's wasting their precious resource. I mean, this was not like, there was not a whole lot of water in the land. Look in verse 34. He says, says, do it again. So he asked them for four large jars of water. He says, okay, do it again, he says. And they did it again. Do it a third time, he ordered. And they did it a third time. Verse 35, the water ran, ran down around the altar and even filled the trench. So he lets them go first. Number two, he puts water on the wood and on, on the, the, the actual sacrifice, so much so that it fills up the trench because he says, I, what's about to happen is something that you will, I, I'm going to make it as easy as I can make it for you to follow the one and only true God. God does the same in your life. Do you know that? And it's easy to judge those people. It's easy to look at them and say, man, goodness gracious, you know, how can, you know, how could they not believe? But God's given you his son. And there's proof, okay? There's like, there's historical proof that Jesus Christ came back from the dead. There is proof that he showed himself to over 500 people. There is proof, in fact, when you compare the text of scripture just in a scientific way, and you compare it to any other, any other text, historical text that's been found, any manuscripts that have been found, there's more proof by a million times that God's word, when they found all the different texts, it wasn't like they found one little Bible, right? When they found all the different pages in different places and they put them all together, what they found is that the, the, the errors were like less than 3%. And so when you compare Shakespeare, you compare all stuff that they found the same way, the percentage is so much greater. And God has been saying to us time and time again, again, I am real and I'm pursuing you and I love you and I'm coming after you just in the same way that he was pursuing those people, probably even in greater ways, because not only do we have God's word and stories like this, but we have, we have all of the New Testament. He wants to make sure they know there's, not, there's no, no coincidence. I'm more real than the air that you're breathing right now. Watch what he says. Verse 36. We're almost done. Actually, Ben, you guys can get on stage if you don't mind. When you do see this, I'm going to read a couple more verses, and I'm going to give you three things that applied to my life, okay, that have helped me in my journey of following Jesus. This is 36. This is what he says. At the time of the sacrifice, the prophet Elijah, help me out, what are those two words that are underlined? Step forward. Some of us need to take a step forward and we need to take, we need to step forward in faith. And I'm not talking about like here, okay, I'm not making you do any of that. But some of us need to take a step forward in faith. Some of you, you need to let your past die. Learn from it, but let it die. Let it, don't let it define you. Some of you, in faith, you need to have that phone call with that person that's hurt you and say, you know what? I'm going to take a step in faith, and I'm going to forgive you. I may not be able to forget what happened, but I'm going I'm to forgive you. And you, Some of you need to take a step forward in faith. 
Some of you, you're here today, and God's calling you to, take a, to make a decision, to take a step where you don't know what's going to happen. And that's the thing. That's what we call it faith, because if you knew what was going to happen, then it wouldn't take any faith. And God's looking at you, and he's saying, this is your moment. Elijah had no idea that, that God was going to answer his request. That's why the Bible is clear. At the time of the sacrifice, the prophet Elijah stepped forward and prayed. Listen to this prayer. Man, this breaks my heart. Oh, Lord, God of Abraham, Isaac, and Israel, let it be known today that you are God in Israel and that I am your servant. I love how God uses imperfect people. And that I have done all these things at your command. Watch this. It's the most powerful prayers I've ever heard in my life. Answer me, O Lord. Answer me. So these people will know that you, O Lord, are God. And that you're turning their hearts back again. You see the burden? You see his burden? He's not praying a prayer for himself. He's praying for those who don't know God, who don't have that relationship. I want to ask you a question. What was the last time that you used those little invite cards that were put on the seats? What was the last time you took a step forward in faith and you were brave enough to invite somebody to church? When was the last time that you prayed a prayer like that? God, I don't want to do this. I don't like rejection. I don't know what they're going to say. I've invited them to church before. God, please answer me, God. You know my heart, Lord. You know these people. You know they need your forgiveness and your grace and your hope and all of those things that you provide. Verse 38, then the fire of the Lord fell and burnt up the sacrifice, the wood, the stones, and the soil, and it also licked up the water in the trenches. See, none of that happened if Elijah wouldn't have taken that step of faith. And so you're waiting for the miracle, but the miracle is not going to happen until you activate your faith. Does that make sense? It's hard. It's not easy. It's, I promise you, it's a lot easier to preach it. But when I have to take those steps of faith, holy cow, it's, it's hard. And when all the people saw this, they fell on their faces. And they cried, the Lord, he's God. The Lord, he's God. Three things I get from, from this passage. The first one is, my God is listening. Regardless of what you're going through, my God is listening. My God never fails. He never falters. He never makes a mistake. My God never goes, oops, didn't see that coming. He's listening. Baal couldn't even send a little spark. My God can use fire 
as easy as it is for me to snap my fingers. My God can use a pillar of fire and put it in between his people and lead the nation of Israel to the promised land like it's nothing. My God can take, remember Moses? He can take, he can take a burning bush and make it, up, make it burn but not burn, you know? Write this reference down if you're taking notes. Micah 7, 7. It's a great Bible promise you can hang on to. Micah 7, 7. Therefore, I will look to the Lord. I will wait for the God of my salvation. My God will hear me. Whatever you're going through, if your world is upside down, if you don't know what to do, this is, this is a clue. If you don't know what to do with your kid, if you don't know what to do with your finances, if you don't know what to do with your health, if you don't know what to do with life, if you don't know what to do with your career, if you're in between relationships, if regardless of where you're at, therefore I will look to the Lord, I will wait upon the God of my salvation, my God will hear me. It's an incredible promise. Here's the second thing. My God always wins always wins my God is always listening my God always wins that obstacle that's like a mountain for you is nothing for him your biggest mess nothing for him you're not intimidated in the least he always wins my God desires my faith. He does. You know, this whole story, you could say that it was about Elijah. Really, it, it really was. It's not about, I mean, God used Elijah in a great way. This story is about our God. God uses Elijah, and Elijah does take the first step in faith. How about you? Let's bow and eyes closed. Maybe God is saying, come to me. I think it was mentioned earlier. Vivian mentioned it. Shelly mentioned it. I had it on my notes. God put it in, in my heart to mention it earlier this week. Maybe God is speaking to your heart right now and he's saying, come to me and rest and relax in my loving presence. You know that this day and the ones that will come, they're going to bring difficulties. And you trying to think your way through those trials, you, by you trying to anticipate ahead of what's going to happen, what you're forgetting is that I am with you. And you're rehearsing all of your troubles in your mind over and over and over again. And you're experiencing more than, than you should. You don't have to go through the guilt. You don't have to go through the shame. I paid for that stuff. You're my son. You're my daughter. I love you. Look at my scars. I paid for that junk. Maybe. Maybe. God is saying you this morning don't multiply your suffering in this way instead come to me and relax in my loving presence my power is undisputed I'm going to strengthen you I'm going to prepare you I'm going to transform your fear into confidence
Just trust me like Elijah trusted me. It's not always easy, but it will always be better. It's the road that leads to life. If you've never received Christ before, it's not, I'm not inviting you to have a new religion. I'm not inviting you to be a part of a denomination. I'm inviting you right now to be a part of a, a movement to believe in a Savior who set up a church, not religion, not a building, a group of people who set up a group of people in motion who had faith. If you've never given your life to Christ, I want to give you that chance right now. Would you just kindly just lift your hand and say, yep. Yeah, I see that hand. Anyone else? Maybe it's time for you to say, yeah, I want to I wanna move towards him. He's been pursuing me. I've been saying no for the longest time, but it's time. Anyone else? I see the hand. Yep. God sees your hand. Anyone else? If you're a believer and you're, you're here and you're saying, Pastor, pray for me. I want to have the confidence that Elijah had. You raise your hand. God, thank you so much for your love and your goodness. Thank you for the story of faith and grace. We lift up your name on high today. You're worthy of our praise. Amen. Let's all stand.